When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Social Security is one of the most complex and confusing federal programs. With over 2,700 rules, it's no wonder that we're confused about when and how to start collecting and who to turn to for help. Welcome to Social Security Answers from the Experts, hosted by Martha Shedden. In this podcast series, Martha meets with professionals to provide you with the answers to questions about this most important financial decision. And now, here's your host, President and co-founder of the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts, Martha Shedden. So welcome to our podcast. I'm Martha Shedden, and today I'm pleased to have Nadine Burns with me on the show. Nadine is the president and CEO of New Path Financial, a financial planning firm in Ann Arbor, and she is president-elect of the Financial Planning Association of Michigan. She is a CFP who provides her clients with a holistic approach to planning, looking at their entire financial picture. Nadine often works with clients in transition, including retirement, and has a special place for smart women, which we'll get to more about that, meaning those who want to know more about their financial well-being. A native of Michigan, Nadine is a University of Michigan graduate and holds a master's in business. So welcome to the show, Nadine. Thank you. It's great to have you here. Um, I always like to start first in the beginning. Um, can you tell us about your background and how you ended up going into financial planning? Well, I started out wanting to go into financial planning right after graduation from University of Michigan. I was a budgeting kid. I budgeted for my first bicycle and things like that. And it really attracted me into those areas. But I got a degree in psychology and business at U of M. So it was a combined discipline. Boy, I didn't know how that would serve me as well as it has. Yeah. Uh, then I actually got a, a position with a company. Uh, I took some testing. And when I was ready to join the firm, they didn't have any openings. So I went back to University of Michigan and said, hey, the first firm I chose right out of school in our selection process doesn't have any openings for me. They said, who was your second choice? And I said, Kmart. Kmart's headquartered in Michigan. It was Troy, Michigan. And they said, we'll call them on your behalf. We've had another issue with another student having the same uh, problem you did. They called Kmart. Kmart was welcome with open arms. And I went into management with Kmart for four and a half years. Could see the writing on the wall. Um, Got to meet uh, their CEO, Joe Antonini, and saw that maybe he didn't understand the Kmart consumer. And that was kind of the start of the downfall of Kmart and things like that. But from Kmart, I actually moved out of Michigan into Ohio. While in Ohio, um, made some inroads and actually worked for Hershey Chocolate. So I was calling on Kmart as well as other retail stores and dealing with targeting women shoppers for, you know, holidays and things like that. With that background from um, Hershey area, um, somebody contacted me and said, hey, are you willing to work with Nestle Food Division? 
which is located in Solon, Ohio, near my home. So I actually worked with Nestle uh, Food Division and was on the team that started Nestle Tollhouse Cookie Dough, Stover Skillet Sensations. We did Butoni Pasta, Libby Pumpkin, any of the foods that Nestle has in that division. So I was part of that team and actually was on site at Nestle doing marketing at the retail store level. So I'd travel all over the country to different retail stores and um, look at things and, and targeting women. Um, that background, again, always looking at what was happening with my own investments. I was that background person you hated a company who counsels everybody else on their 401k selections. Yeah, who's not licensed and things like that. Yeah, that was me. And then I had the chance um, to uh, become licensed. I went through um, uh, having a child and then divorcing and coming back to Michigan and um, remarried. And my current husband challenged me to look at what I really wanted to do and gave me the opportunity to come into the financial planning industry. Well, we worked with our own financial planner and I got to see how the sausage was made in his office and decided that's not what I wanted to do. It wasn't a true fiduciary firm. Um, It was more commission-based and things like that. Mm -hmm. So in 2013, I founded my own firm and and started to work uh, with women. I also got certified in divorce, uh, divorce financial analyst, because I had been through that myself. Um, And I understood a lot of what women were talking about because I had done all the studies on women as uh, in marketing culture with Nestle and Hershey and things like that. So, and being a woman myself, I understood as a busy woman who was flying all over, taking care of kids, dealing with uh, aging parents, that women are time constrained more than anyone else. And this is an area that a lot of them don't want to get in the weeds in. So what can we do to help them do everything? So in our office here at A New Path Financial, the reason we call it A New Path is you come in the door and we find the advisor that works best with you. It's not, you won't always have me. You might have a special needs child and need to see Deb. You might be a younger mom or a younger family and want to see one of our younger advisors. And we're trying to grow that advisor group out so that we can refer into them and have advisors with specialties. Uh, We have the office next door as well. And we sublease to an estate planning attorney. And guess what? People are getting their trusts on and their powers of attorney and everything. It's really convenient. So Jacqueline Regal Sprague pops into the office when we're having a meeting with the client just to say hi, if we ask her to. She meets them. We refer to several attorneys. Jacqueline's really close. um, And she's done a good job for so many clients that we always have clients, you know, check two or three attorneys to see who the best fit is a lot of them do use Jacqueline but primarily a lot of them get their estate planning done so there's things that we want to expand on and that but we're holistic everybody has their ballywick I tend to work with what I call smart women or professional women that just have that busy life they're taking care of their children they're taking care of their parents I know I'm in that sandwich you know my mother's 83 and needs my assistance and we're trying to make sure we can look at everything they have in their holistic way. And we ask really funny things when they're going into retirement that I tell you, no man will ask. And that question is, do you need a budget to remodel the kitchen? (laughs) Nobody asks that, but we do. And then we've created a practice with a lot of processes here. So that we make sure we touch everybody when they need to be touched. So we meet with all our clients in the first quarter of the year to do a review, because guess what? That's when you want to talk to your advisor, not on the anniversary date of when your advisor got you as a client, 
Um, something that me is meaningful to you is the beginning of the year, because if you're taking income in retirement, you want to make sure you're getting enough income the next year. If you're putting money away, you want to create that plan of how much am I putting away? We want to understand what taxes we might be responsible for during tax season. And so it's always good to meet with our clients at the beginning of the year. And then we have seasons during the year that we do specific things. Like we might have life insurance month or we might have Roth conversion month at the end of the year or something like that. It also helps our staff learn to do things because they do repetitive things during those time periods and they get really good at it. So it really helps our, our support staff as well. So, Well, you have just had quite the experience and I think you've answered a lot of my questions. <laughs> that's, there you go. that's just awesome. You have many videos on your website, uh, specifically the one talking about social security and, uh, the benefit of collecting that at the right time. Um, keeping in mind, of course, that everyone's story is different. How do you help your clients decide on when to take their social security? What level of detail do you go into that? We create something in our firm called a retirement income plan. And I think this is the, the thing, the piece that everybody's missing when they go into retirement. They just say, hey, I'm going to retire. I think I have enough in this big bucket. Uh And actually men look at that as a scorecard. Women tend to take that bucket apart a little bit and say, "Um, this is my kid's inheritance. This is my long-term care money and things like that. So we look at it a little bit differently as women. But and men and women, it's like, well, okay, I accumulated all this, but how do I take it out? Yes. So we actually create a plan. And we go through that with them that says, okay, this is how long you're going to continue to work. So let's include that income. This is the money that you're going to start taking at Social Security at X age. And we work through that. And I'll get back to that. This is, you know, maybe you've inherited an IRA from your parents. This is how much you have to take out of that. This is your other IRA. This is your 401k or 401a from a workplace. Let's put that in. When are we going to start taking that? What other, do we have a pension? Do you have an annuity? What do you have? Do you have Roth IRAs? Can we, if you're retiring before 72, do some Roth conversions, pay taxes on some of that now that you're not earning that big lump, but we map it out on paper. So the client looks at it and says, wow, this is what I'm going to get paid every year. Yes. And then we actually work, we work on a fidelity platform. We like fidelity. There's a woman at the helm and that just adds to it, but they're um, a good company that we found that we work with. And it's a nice transition because a lot of the retirement plans, people have 401ks, 401as are also in fidelity. Mm-hmm. And we want to be really transparent for our women. So they're used to logging in. They can log in with the same login and see the accounts they have with us. It makes it very, very easy for them, which is why one of the reasons we chose fidelity. And when they go in, they can, we can actually create a paycheck for them every month. We help them do the withholding for federal taxes and state taxes. If people don't think about who's going to handle that, you know, yeah. and, and we estimate, we work with them with their tax advisor and things like that to estimate their income. So we put all that sausage together and I use cooking terms, not sports terms, um, <laughs> because I work with a lot of women. And we put all those items together and we come out with a plan and we work with the client. We're not dictators. Yeah. And one of the questions we say is, tell us about the big events, the big expenses that you're going to need. Your car's eight years old. Guess what? It's probably not going to last your whole retirement. We need to put some lump sum in so you can buy a car Mm -hmm. or do something like that. 
Or we need to look at if you're going to remodel that kitchen, what's that budget going to be? You know, we talk about what it should be 10 to 15% of the value of the house at max. So maybe that doesn't let you get a sub zero refrigerator. But we talk through that and have that conversation so that we can put those benchmarks and those spending plans into their retirement to see if it's going to work. Right, right. And we look and we talk about inflation too. How is that going to affect it? And this year we know inflation is a big conversation. So how often do you review that plan? It must be annually or more often. Annually. So uh, we sit with our clients annually. We send them a letter every year. It comes in a yellow envelope because their color is like McDonald's, yellow and red, Sprite. Um, Mr. Croc had a good idea there. And um, so it's a bright envelope. And in that envelope is what are the top two things you want to talk to us about? that might be coming up this year. And then from there also is here's some things you might want to think about check boxes. You know, if we want to think about long-term care insurance, we want to think about this, that, and we want to review those things. So it gives them some thought starters from us. It also gives them the chance to set the agenda by giving us their two priorities. Maybe something happened that they didn't tell us about during the year. Maybe they moved or, or, you know, um, did something like that. So then we meet with them in that first part of the year, and then we create a plan for the rest of the year. Are there any things that we're doing? And one of the things might be, hey, we're less than 72. Our income has dropped. Maybe we should be doing some Roth conversions. So our office manager, Julie, just this last couple of weeks has been contacting all of our clients that are on that Roth conversion list, the ones that we identified and we talked to at the beginning. And now all those folks are either meeting with us via Zoom or in person, whatever they'd like to do. Mm-hmm. And then we are setting up any um, Roth conversions before the end of the year. So that would be kind of one kind of service thing that we do. So when you're working with them on that retirement income and you work with them on when they should claim their Social Security, which is not always um, when they stop working. And then you with that holistic approach, I imagine you you can see the funds that they can use to bridge that income gap. And so do you pay particular attention to the tax uh, implications that social security income is taxed? I know a lot of financial software used to, I don't know if it still does, but it used to just assume that everyone's social security income was going to, that 85% of it was going to be taxed. And that is not necessary. My mother has a lower income, you know, Uh, her social security isn't taxable at all in some years. Right, right. You know? But other years, she might hit that point where it is taxable. So that's something we talk about is the taxability of social security and when that happens and how that happens. We also talk a lot about, you know, those folks that were married before. Um, yes. Something that they don't realize is when they hit full retirement age, instead of taking their social security, they can take half of their ex-spouse's social security if they were married to that ex-spouse for 10 years. Yes. So this is something we definitely counsel on and say, maybe you want to take that when you hit your 66 and so many months or 67 if you were born after 1960. Take the spouses until 70 and let yours grow. And at seven years old, take yours. We had one person that, that um, a client who did that and use that extra money, and she was still working at that full retirement age. So because she had hit full retirement age, there was no social security penalty 
She could make as much money as she did. She enjoyed her job uh, in academia. She continued to work. She took that extra money and used it for those three years to pay extra on the house. So by the time she retired, she only had about one or two years more to pay on the house mortgage. And then that mortgage was gone. And therefore, she didn't need the additional income in retirement to pay a mortgage. That's another thing we talk about that a lot of advisors, they're talking about the stocks and bonds and stuff. But have you paid off the house yet? What are those choices? Interest rates are low. Yes, we say, hey, maybe we should, you know, not pay off the house and invest that money instead. But there's some sleep at night to the effect that women want to know that that roof over their head can't yes. be taken from them. Exactly. And so there's that as well. And speaking of that, and I've, I've had, uh, I have a good friend who does uh, home equity conversion mortgages. So um, there's a lot of us in certain areas of the country that have a tremendous amount of equity in our homes. Do you incorporate that when you see the need for your clients? A lot of times, you know, women, if they've been divorced or single or things like that, might not have enough for their full retirement. Right. So we use that equity in the home as kind of the last, last sleeve. I call it purses of money. Yeah. You know, you've got your coach purse and you've got your, you know, Michael Fours <laughs> and stuff. So instead, a lot of people use buckets or sleeves or something. I used to call it purses when it's with my women. And your last purse, that black handbag that you know you're never going to get rid of, right? The simple, easy, <laughs> I can take it anywhere. That particular tranche of money might be your house and you might pull home equity. Right. In fact, when my parents moved about five years ago in their late 70s, they could have moved from their current home and bought their their uh, senior detached condo with that money. But we made the decision that they would take out a mortgage because my mom was going to do repairs and fixes and things like that in the new house. But it also gave them some liquidity that they didn't have of some tax-free money that they could use to kind of bridge a couple years of income. Mm-hmm. Because they were kind of at that bubble where they were getting scared. Do we have enough? Right, right. And by taking that out, I'm like, my brother and I don't need the equity in your house. Take it out. There's a low cost for mortgage. This is what it is. We're not investing that money. That is emergency money, but right. we're putting it in there. So, um, yeah, it, it's we should never use home equity for any kind of speculation. No, no. But it's it's I, I totally agree with you. It is that reassurance that you have that at, at if everything else fails, you do have that equity and um, the companies only allow you to take so much out. So you're still going to have equity in the home. A lot of people are afraid they're not going to be leaving anything for their kids, but um, in reality, that's not usually the case. Um, and everybody has yeah. a different theory on what they want to leave the children, what they don't want to. Yeah. That, you know, I've had people come in and say, I want to bounce my last check. I've taken care of my kids. I educated them. I've done all kinds of things. And other people are very um, concerned about their children. And I think it depends right. on the different children and things like that. And then when Deb in our office works with folks, it's what do you leave them and how much do you leave them if you have special needs children? Exactly. Which is a whole different, very, very complicated area because you cannot leave them so much that they can lose their Medicaid coverages. Right. So right. very complicated. So yeah. I leave that to Deb because she is the expert. <laughs> you were uh, recently featured in an article speaking about how it's possible 
uh, for ordinary Americans to become millionaires. And we all know uh, saving is the best way to do that, start saving early. What else can we do, especially if we're a little older now? What are the best ways to increase our, our assets? Well, going down the street, every street I've been in uh, recently with some slight travel, working is not one. Um, there's a lot of people that aren't going back to work or women tend to also do some things where they're working for themselves or kind of I'm watching the grandkids, mm-hmm. you know, and working. We got to look at that and say, how is that going to affect my total retirement? You know? If you're out of the workforce, your social security is calculated based on 35 years of income. Now they look at that income and they say, what is your average income over those 35 years? Many women like myself stepped out of the workforce for maybe a year or two to have children, maybe even longer. Maybe there's pressure for you to step out of the workforce like a, a, a friend of mine right now has done. She's retired a little bit early because her father is ailing and there's nobody else to take care of him. Women tend to be those people that are doing that as well. How does that work with your social security if you were to work a few more years? And usually toward the end of our careers, we're making more on average per month than we did at the beginning. My first job with Kmart, I think I made $16,000 a year in the 1980s. Not much of a salary, you know, when we do that. So we want to make sure that we continue to work. That's number one, to see where our goals are. Understand where funds are coming from. And uh, women tend to be, on average, slightly less aggressive than men. So we need to talk about our goals and how long our goals are. We think about, hey, we're going to retire. Maybe we should be less aggressive. But we have to remember, retirement is 30 years. Right. That's a long term. You're not going to take every penny out on day one. Right. So you need to have some long term investments. I think one of the biggest things that you can do is sit down with a certified financial planner professional, a CFP. They hold a lot of those. They have to have a a bachelor's degree. They go through training. They go through a, a comprehensive testing program. They have background checks. They have to stay continuous with education. It's one of the only certifications I know that has those standards. Right. So looking for that kind of a person that can sit down with you and help you understand risk so that you can have some accounts that maybe you don't look at all the time when the markets are down. (laughs) Maybe you put your blinders on and you just let it go through that. Because if you would have pulled money out in March of 2020 and then tried to put those funds back in March of 2021, you would have lost 30 some percent in your investments. Right. You know, when the market went down with the pandemic, if you would have done that, you could have had an issue. Instead, have an advisor hold your hand and talk about what that risk is and invest based on your risk tolerance, but see if you can't have some professional advice so that you're not as worried as as you might be. Yeah, because the old standard um, assumption that uh, when you that you're taking a certain percentage out every year, or um, you get reach a certain age, you should have a certain percentage of stocks and bonds that just doesn't really necessarily apply at all when you have 20 or 30 more years that you're going right. to be living. So right. so we tend to create these purses, or these tranches, and maybe one amount of money that you have 
is money for your first three years. And that comes back to you like a paycheck. Right. You know, you yeah. put, you get money in your checking account every month. It just shows up there. Just like your paycheck showed up there as an ETF, automatic transfer of your funds. It shows up, taxes are taken out, boom, boom, boom. And that money, that first three years, five years might be very low risk. I call it sleep at night or pillow protection. So it allows you to know that the money that's coming in is going to be, you know, kind of there. It's very, very low risk talent. Right. And then maybe your longer term money is invested slightly more aggressively. Again, with in concert with you and your advisor talking about how comfortable you are. Right, right. Which changes over time. That's for sure. Um how do you define success when it comes to a client's social security and retirement planning strategies? Are there any templates or roadmaps that work well with people or is it purely an individual case by case? I really look at everything as case by case. I look at every person. Everybody's got a different money story. Everybody has a different history. Everybody's values are different. If we were um, able to look at a roadmap that mattered for everybody, we'd be robots, you know? But we have choices in this country, just as we decorate our homes with different things and different. I'm mauve and purple in my in my <laughs> office here. Um, it kind of has filmy curtains and I have a, a little couch, you know, with a throw on it. It, to me, is my comfort place. OK, so it has to be what you're comfortable with and and where you want to go. But you have to express reality. You know, if you come in with you know, not enough money to retire, we cannot, um, we can't get water out of a stone Mm -hmm. when there's nothing to get. I mean, so we have to look realistically and that advisor should be able to tell you realistically what's happening, but counseling. And if it takes a couple more years of work, well, let's do some fun stuff. Let's count down. And every month we have a party or a star or something on the calendar, you've gotten this far. And if it will make your life a little easier to do that or to celebrate certain things that you might not have done um, during that last couple of years just to get through, then maybe that's what you do. Yeah. Um, but if you can, I've had people amass a huge amount of money scared to retire on the other side. Of it. And it's like, you know, you can go, you can go. And that step out of the business world, especially for women who have, their identity is surrounded by their position, you know, then it's difficult for them to take that step because they're worried. So we go through everything and we do a transition. I think it's, it's such a huge shift and you don't hear a lot of conversation about it that we have spent our working life saving and socking it away. And it is scary to think of using that money to start to actually use it. Um, And I think one of the biggest things women have to think about, and I need the actual data, and I've got on my checklist to do this and to do the research, is there are, you can walk into this, it's a qualitative analysis, go into any nursing home, who's there, men or women, and it's mostly women. There was something somebody said, like 80 some percent of of men die with a wife, 80% of women die without a husband. So... There's mortality issues. A lot of times women are younger than their husbands. You know, there's a lot of different things. And I'd really love to get those numbers. So please don't quote me. 
But the bottom line is women, we need to really, really think even harder than men about what our long-term care plan is. We need to communicate that with our children and other people in our lives so they know what we expect. Mm-hmm. And we have, and either we have assets for that, we have insurance for that, we have something that that covers that part of our life. I call it the eighty-five-year-old money. So you don't become a bad lady at that point in time. Yeah, because that's when I see a lot of my clients decline in capacity, physical capacity, mental capacity, etc. It's that eighties area, um, and. We look at retirement and every picture shows a husband and wife walking through a boat, a golf course, this, that, and the other. It doesn't show that woman by herself with a walker. And that's exactly uh, when I work with clients on their social security and couples, especially uh, about strategizing to make that survivor benefit the largest because of all those things you just mentioned. We live longer, often marry men older than ourselves, have lower earnings. It's so much more important for women for all the reasons that you've been talking about. Um, And last question, I really enjoyed talking to you, Nadine, um, about Social Security. What realistic changes would you make if you had the power to change Social Security to return it to solvency for the 75 um, years ahead? What changes would you do? Number one, I'd like to get every member of Congress educated on personal finances. So that would be a start. That way they understand how important Social Security is. For a lot of women, it's over half their income. Oh, um, they, they're so, being so important. poverty if, if they didn't right. have the Social Security. Right. And it is one of the biggest questions I get from my clients. Will it be there when I need it? My husband asked me the same question. Um, he's a sports staff. He's not a financial advisor. And he says, well, but our plan's built on a little bit of Social Security here. Is that going to be there? Okay, so I think that's number one. Number two is we have to address the issues. Number one, do we raise the age to take Social Security? Do we raise it from 62 to 65? We are living longer. So maybe that's something that we need to do. We need those, you know, folks studying life expectancy and actuary tables to look at those things. But that kind of doesn't benefit people at lower ends of the income range because they tend to have less life expectancy than people at the higher end. And we done to increase, we have continued to increase the, the maximum that Social Security is withdrawn from income. That has increased in droves recently. You know, I mean, larger jumps because it's a percentage every year. Cost of living allowances, do we limit cost of living allowances? But those cost of living allowances are barely keeping up with Medicare costs. So really, if we get, if this year they're talking about a three or 4% or even 5% COLA increase, but then they're talking about Medicare being six to 7%. So will we be a negative? So looking at those issues, I think just educating everyone on this, really explaining what's going on. I know we're on either side of the aisle and this and that. I wish we could get together and actually tell the public what's going on. Um, and, and some of those things could be an issue. And they need to be addressed. And there needs to be, you know, a coalition that puts that together. But I don't know if we'll see that. I know. It, it's sad that we're in such a political time because there's across the board approval of Social Security and agreement to maintain its solvency. And it's very, very frustrating. But I think closer and closer to the 2030s, we're going to be facing 
uh, more and more stress on that. So hopefully. I, and we could take care of it easier now than kicking it I down know. the road. And it's going to be a larger and larger problem yeah. every year that it's not yeah. addressed. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't want there to be some level of time where look at everyone older and say, you're robbing me in my future. Right. You know, yeah. and, and that's a scary thing to say that, you know, are we taking the future away from our grandchildren in droves at some point, as opposed to doing it a little bit going forward. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. Where can people go to learn more about you or get in touch? Do you work with um, people remotely outside of your geographic area? Yes, we are licensed through many states of the country. And we, when we find clients that or her clients move to certain states, we add those to our, our, our licensure. But um, it's a new, anewpathfinancial.com. Remember the A, a new path financial. The idea being a path that you can walk and find the advisor that's right for you, that can work with you to get you where you need to go. Um, we try to explain things very, very clearly. So you can go to anewpathfinancial.com. We are located in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So if you're local to Michigan or this area, that's fine. But we were doing a lot more via Zoom and meetings and FedEx. And a lot of times we do traveling to um, a lot of the East Coast and Southeast states. Uh, so we do some and we see clients when we do travel to those states as well. Yeah, specifically South Carolina, uh, North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Okay. Well, thank you very much. It's been a thank pleasure. You, Martha. Keep the good work and keep education on social security coming. Thank we you. All appreciate it. Thank you.